This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that pays tribute to people of the past by telling their stories today. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're reflecting on the nightmare of Flight 811, a tragic disaster that revealed a chilling disregard for the safety of airline passengers and crews. The day was February 24th, 1989. Nine passengers were killed on a flight from Hawaii to Auckland when the plane's cargo door swung open in mid-flight. The accident happened early in the morning, shortly after takeoff from Honolulu International Airport. When the door opened unexpectedly, it was torn off the side of the plane and peeled back part of the outer fuselage with it. This created a gaping 12 by 25 foot hole near the right forward cargo hold. In an instant, all the pressurized air inside the cabin was sucked out at breakneck speed, and nine of the closest passengers were dragged out along with it. The flight, number 811 on United Airlines, had taken off from Los Angeles the previous night and then made a brief stopover in Honolulu early on February 24th. The plane itself was a 19-year-old Boeing 747. At 3.34 a.m. Pacific time, the plane took off with 337 passengers and a crew of 18 bound for Auckland, New Zealand. But it wouldn't get very far before disaster struck and forced the plane to make an emergency landing. The airline later reported that the plane was 100 miles south of Honolulu at an altitude of about 22,000 feet when the cargo door gave way. This resulted in a decompression explosion which blew nine passengers out of the plane, most of whom were still strapped in their seats. Not every instance of explosive decompression leads to people being ripped out of planes. For instance, a small hole in the plane's fuselage would only produce enough force to blow around loose papers and articles of clothing. The air inside and outside the cabin would then equalize quickly, and while it would still be loud and cold, the rest of the plane's structure would hold, and that would be that. But in the case of Flight 811, the hole in the side of the plane extended almost the entire height of the fuselage. It was a large-scale structural failure, and nine people died as a result. The incident occurred over the Pacific Ocean. Some of the people sucked out of the plane fell for several minutes before colliding with the water below. Others were blown into the side of the plane and died on impact, and one or more went through the engines. Meanwhile, those in the cockpit weren't sure what had happened. They heard a large thump and initially thought a bomb had gone off. Then they realized that two of the four engines had been disabled. They sent an engineer to the cabin to see what was going on, and after being informed of the giant hole in the fuselage, the pilots immediately descended and began heading back to the airport in Honolulu. As for the people in the cabin... They obviously fared better than the victims, but they still endured a harrowing experience. There were no announcements or instructions over the intercom, because no one would have been able to hear them over the constant roar of rushing air. 
One passenger, a 35-year-old Australian fashion designer named Paul Hotz, later described the scene. He said, quote, It was horrible. All of a sudden, the people sitting next to us just disappeared. Inside the cabin, there were pieces of debris flying all over. The stewardess, who'd been serving drinks, was knocked down, bleeding profusely. The noise and the wind were horrific. We tried to shout, but we couldn't hear each other. I thought we were all going to die. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. Eventually, flight attendants used battery-powered megaphones to tell everyone to get into the landing position. The air crew was led by Captain David Cronin, a veteran pilot of 35 years who was just a month or so shy of mandatory retirement. Together with his co-pilots, Cronin was able to successfully land the wounded plane back at the airport at 4.33 a.m. Passengers reported that, despite the horrifying circumstances, there had been no panic in the cabin. In fact, some passengers did their best to help keep others calm, like in a poignant encounter later described by 31-year-old passenger Carrie Lappin. She said, quote, The whole plane was falling in pieces from the wind. The whole plane was starting to shake. I thought, this is it. But there was a man in front of me. I don't know who it was. A wonderful, wonderful man. He held my hand and he comforted me. It was so lovely to have someone's hand to hold. Once they were safely back on the ground, the 346 survivors slid down emergency chutes onto the tarmac. 18 of them were taken to nearby hospitals. Five were admitted for broken bones and head wounds, and the rest were treated and released later that day. Those who were unharmed were confined to a roped-off portion of the terminal for eight hours while they were questioned by the FBI. An extensive air and sea search was conducted to find the nine lost passengers. The Navy and Coast Guard swept a 120-square-mile area, 100 miles southwest of Hawaii, but the passengers' bodies were never recovered. Maintenance records revealed a series of problems with the locking mechanism of Flight 811's cargo door. However, the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB, initially concluded that the accident had resulted from preventable human error, not from a flaw in the cargo door's design or function. But not everyone was convinced. Lee Campbell was one of the nine passengers killed on Flight 811. The 24-year-old New Zealander had been returning home from a trip, but never made it back. His parents, Kevin and Susan Campbell, launched their own independent investigation of the case, using documents obtained from the NTSB. They found that the cause of the decompression wasn't human error. It was an existing, well-documented problem with the door's latch locking system, improper wiring, and poor design. The Campbells presented their findings to the safety board. In light of this and other developments, including a closer examination of the recovered cargo door, the NTSB later revised its conclusion. The final report aligned with the Campbell's theory. An electrical short in the lock system had caused the latch to rotate open, releasing the door and causing a decompression explosion. Disturbingly, this same electrical malfunction had already happened at least once before. In 1987, the cargo door on another Boeing 747 had partially opened in flight 
due to a damaged door lock. In response to that incident, the Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA, ordered all airlines to improve the door lock systems on their Boeing 747s. However, the FAA gave the airlines until December 31, 1989 to make the necessary modifications. Flight 811 took off 10 months before that deadline, and at the time, United Airlines had not yet made the repairs to that plane. It was later revealed that the adjustments to the door latch system would have cost just $3,000. The airline's procrastination over a few measly grand had resulted in the deaths of nine people. Following the accident, the FAA moved up that deadline and gave airlines just 30 days to fix their locks. Since that time, no other deaths due to similar accidents have been reported on Boeing 747s. As for the aircraft that was damaged in Flight 811, it was eventually repaired, re-registered, and returned to service for United Airlines in 1990. The cost of the repairs to the plane's hull and interior was said to be about $14 million. The names of the nine passengers who died on Flight 811 were Anthony and Barbara Fallon, Lee Campbell, Susan and Harry Craig, Dr. John Michael Crawford, Mary Handley, Rose Harley, and John Swan. May they rest in peace. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.